You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Thanks for joining us for another Land and Legacy podcast. This is your host, Adam Keith, Matt Dye. Woo! You know, we talk about it. I think the last three podcasts we started off, oh, it's getting exciting. But, I mean, I, that's just a given now. Everybody knows deer season is just right around the corner. Um, food plots, full. I mean, last couple podcasts we've been talking about food plots because everybody's talking about food plots. Uh, we've been talking about building hit lists and getting bucks on our trail camera. This week we're going to go a little bit deeper. Uh, oftentimes Matt comes up with the notes or has the notes for the podcast, and we kind of discuss what this week's topic. But we had about three topics this week kind of floating in the air. Which one are we going to do? And we decided to go ahead and just knock this one out. And um, Matt, I, I read his notes, or he read his notes to me, and I thought – he, this guy's. I think he's going to try and leave Land and Legacy and go be a poet. <laughs> so, no. well, what happened was I wrote an article on this or or a blog, and I just took the notes straight from there. So it's a little different style to what the notes would be because they came right out of a a blog, a full blog. So it, the notes sound professional or more professional, anyhow. Um, but this is a really unique topic and i think that one the timing for it is really perfect and i have to honestly give um my wife the credit for it because this is on adam and our 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 minds quite a bit and and kind of why it is what we do what we do but when it came down to it um my wife asked like what why do you go hunting all the time Uh, that's a great question and then i immediately thought of like uh you know that hashtag that everyone uses you see all the time what gets you outdoors? I think that's a Bass Pro. It's a Bass Pro hashtag? I think that's the one they, they always start use. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, it poses a great, great question. And it really just, it, it, it made me stop and think, okay, I know what it is. But for everyone else out there, has everyone taken the time to really stop and consider what is it that gets them outdoors? What What is it that makes them get up and put thousands of miles on their truck or get up at four in the morning and lose sleep and you know everything throughout the uh, season whether that's duck hunting deer hunting turkey hunting doesn't matter but what is it that gets you outdoors and from there that question my wife posed it kind of maybe just kind of dive deeper into it really research which then led to that blog that was written and now from there adam and i have talked about it a lot it's like you know what we really need to sit back and, and kind of address this, get it get it out there, get some thoughts moving um, before season approaches, and, and see what people think. 
I want to I want to hear feedback from it as well. When we post this, we'll hashtag what gets you outdoors, and we hope that there's some response. We hope that some of you guys comment um, after you've thought about it. Yeah, I, oh, I, yeah. I think you know I've seen videos and I've heard people say that I get outdoors because I want to shoot things. Right, right. There's and, a whole list, and it could be fishing too. Yeah, it could just be bird watching. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, anything outdoors. What? What? Basically, what gets you out there? And I mean, Matt and I are going to cover a lot of different things on why we go out there, but it all kind of relates back to one thing um, for both of us. But um, yeah, so kind of just start thinking about. Now we're early on in this podcast, a couple minutes in. Go ahead and start trying to brainstorm what it is. If somebody were to put you in a corner and say, why do you go hunting? And not let you out of that corner until you give a good answer. Yeah. Because we're going to dive deep. I mean, we, we are. It's not going to be kind of the scratching the surface. You're going you're gonna to sit back and you're going to hopefully listen through and, and understand what it is that really, truly gets us outdoors. Why we do what we do. Why we're managing the land. Why we're taking care of it in January and February when we should be cooped up in the cabin with fire and a good book. <laughs> that was just cliche. I just yeah, had to no, throw that whatever. In. I don't even read books. I read magazines. I don't and read. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to read. But um, you may not be a smart man. But, <laughs> but uh, seriously, consider what it is that that truly just is that drive. What's that driving force? You know, We're gonna do some soul searching. One of our biggest comments, review people, I guess, say about the podcast is that I guess we're passionate people. Um, they can just hear the passion we have for the land, for hunting. And that is, I mean, we know it. Uh, we hope that that is conveyed because that's how passionate we are about it. But it's for a lot of things. And and But like I mentioned earlier, there's kind of one key connection that, that ties it all together. And, uh, you know, just the passion that we have for the land. I can't even... You, it's really hard to even give a statement for you to comprehend just how much, and I'll probably speak for Matt on this one as well, but how much I love land. I And I think of the old anchor man. I love lamp. I love land. I love land. Yeah, I love I, land. I love land. <laughs> and I almost said lamp right there on accident. But I love land. And just, you know, we were in Texas recently, and we went down and saw two different properties. They really weren't that far apart. One was northwest yeah. of, of Dallas. One was northeast of Dallas up near Paris. And, uh, yeah, that's right, Paris. That, that didn't sound right. but um, Close to Paris. Yeah, close to Paris. Yeah. And both were, I mean, great pieces of property. I would love to spend more time there and hunting and, and just seeing it, like, unfold. Of course, that's with every property. Yeah. You kind of uh, have There's a, not enough time A little piece of you day. gets left at each one. You're like, oh, I would love to see what this is like during the rut, or I'd love to see what this is like during... During the spring. During the spring, during October, whenever. And it, the, just to give an example, the one property had prickly pear all over it, had different cactuses on it, had mesquite, um, very kind of a dry climate. Then we turn around, we go to the other one, and it felt like Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, down like south. Southern swampy, Mississippi. And- swampy, big woods, like everything was green. It was green as a oh, yeah. gourd down there. Floods and we're like what? quite often. What in the world? Like totally different atmosphere. Yeah. Are we still in Texas? Yeah. Did not have that feel at all. You drove 2,000 miles the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. uh, so 
that just just in each property, even a properties that we go on and the landowner tells us ahead of time it's very rough i mean it's it's real rough there's still a beauty to it there's still just something that makes that property that property very Mm -hmm. unique very just one of a kind and i and that's why i mean i wish i could see every single person's property because i love it that much but there's just not enough time but i'm sure gonna try no darn right we, we, i mean good luck been in on trying a, to stop us <laughs> on a property oh gosh we've been on a bunch of properties in the last six months and it is just each one of them has it in its own right is is the best like yeah it, and it's so true though like like you said each one is so incredibly unique and this is this is a a popular phrase when when dealing with land but you've heard people say over time you know they quit making it like there is no more land to be made so we've got to appreciate what it is we've got for its diversity for its differences for its similarities and manage it um, because it is it is the limited resource Um, so if you think about land in in a that mindset you, you might have a little bit more appreciation for it and for each individual property, which twenty acres, a hundred, two thousand, twenty thousand, yeah, this every this piece is, of ground is precious. Every piece, yeah. This is the only one we got. This is the only Earth we have. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to be managing on Mars and the Moon anytime soon. So yeah. let's go ahead and fix, or uh, basically fix the problems we have here. I, I, I mean, every property we've been on, there's there's something that needs to be managed. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you look at a property and you say, okay, this one's perfect, you, you're looking through um, rose-covered lenses, I guess, yeah. or, or, or drunk, drunk glasses because yeah. there's always something to do. Mm-hmm. There's almost always an invasive species there or there's encroachment of closed canopy forest. Like the, the forest looks great right now, but it's going to need to be managed or it's going to close up and you're going to start losing productivity of that area for wildlife. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, just in part of the Texas property, we were driving out. Um, of course they had bahia grass literally almost everywhere except for the closed canopy forest. Um, they had some Johnson grass, they had Cerisa lespediza, but the one we were driving out, okay, well, the timber's pretty fair right now. And then what do you know? There's privet. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's a little, um, Last little stretch, we're like home stretch. Here we go out the property, and mm-hmm. Adam knows it outside the bug. And it's like, yep, no, we need to stop. We need to address it. It was really just it, I saw two sprigs, two sprigs, yep. and right on the there road. probably was more, but it's just one of those things. Okay, hey guys, let's stop. Let's look at this plant, identify it. This is what needs to be treated. Do it now because it's a very small infestation. You can control it very easily, but if not, it'll take over. Mm-hmm. Just things like that. And then you look at the the western property, and it had mesquite encroaching yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And then it had the oak forest that was starting to become closed canopy. Mm-hmm. And just those two things right there are going to keep him plenty busy. Sand spurs everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, I forgot about those things. Yeah. Sand spurs are the devil. <laughs> That's, oh, just those things as far as, you know, they get in your pant leg. And you pick them off and try to scrape them off, and they're stuck in your finger. That, those things hey, are terrible. Someone, I don't know if, if you saw it, but someone on his, I think it was Instagram or Facebook. I can't remember your name, but they said, lick your fingers before you take yeah, them off. I saw and that. it helps a lot better. Yeah. 
That's someone that. who has been dealing with some sand spurs in their life. I'm going to try I, it next I time. I pity that guy. <laughs> Thanks for the information, though. I just, my hat's off to you, Mr. Sir. Ma'am. Um, Mr. Sir, ma'am, whoever you are. Great idea, and I, I feel very sorry for you having to deal with sand spurs on a regular basis. That's someone who learned the hard way. Oh, and I saw those comments about a bird dog. You know, bird, oh, and I'm yeah, just thinking, yeah. oh, that would be terrible. I remember when we had bird dogs running everywhere, and they got cut up from the briars, but mm-hmm. we took them back and just kind of scrubbed them down. But I can't imagine having to pick sand spurs out of their pads and their paws and, and, yeah, between and even the cactus. And Oh, it would be terrible. Keep me up here. Oh, yeah. Good old yeah. Ozark Mountains. So that's a kind of just give you a background. Like we absolutely love land and the whole process of managing the land. And that's a big part of, honestly, big part of what gets us out in the, that, that's what gets us outdoors. Um, but if we were to just pin it down in a, a couple, one, basically one thing, we'll have an answer for you later in the podcast. You're going to have to stay tuned. But yeah. Anyway, so. Now you know that we're very passionate about land. We love land. I, I think they got it. They got it. <laughs> now let's go ahead and let you dive in. I'm trying let's, to keep the mic from you, preacher man. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to do some preaching today. But I think you first got to ask yourself, go back to that question. You know, What is it that truly sit down and, and think about it, slow down and, and pause for a second? And what are the reasons why you hunt? And hopefully through the podcast, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to hit on the, the, the main factors that everyone kind of thinks about. And then we're going to challenge those ideas based on ex- our experiences, based on other people's experiences, and, and some beliefs that we have. Challenge those, and and then just begin to dive in a little deeper as to, okay, well, maybe if we think about it from this angle, we're, we're going to understand a little bit more. So, and, and why do you think hunting and like going outdoors, spending time, the adventure, everything, why is it so addicting? Like, what is it that you think that just uh, oh, that depends on the person? You. To me, and it kind of goes back to the whole, you know, growing up, I I still have an addiction for for mountains. And it's not, I want to see that mountain. I want to see, when I look at that mountain, it's not, okay, that's cool. I'm, I want to see what's the next mountain, what that yes. next mountain looks like. For me, hunting is oftentimes, boy, this is cool, but I wonder what's right over there. Mm-hmm. I wonder what's right over there. And... It's just the love for the land and nature. And, of course, I can go on and on and on about the million reasons why I hunt and why I like the outdoors. But one of the big things is just seeing the creation, seeing how it all formed, seeing how it all interacts. Um, That is just a, you know, like, okay, so we start losing daylight, um, the photo period changes. We start losing the amount of daylight during the day, and all of a sudden we have does coming into estrus, and then bucks going crazy and rutting and grunting and fighting, and it's just amazing process. And then the spring starts coming back to life. Turkeys are gobbling, strutting around, hens are calling. And just that whole process, that whole interaction that animals have, and then you add in all the wonderful plants at that time, it's just, it's more than I can even fathom. So, so for you, I'm, I'm going to dissect this and, and if I'm wrong, correct me and it, let's if, just go, let's just go through your answer. Basically. If I was to say the one thing that gets me out there in I, one word, it would of course be a very complex word, but I would just say solitude. Mm-hmm. The, the process of just 
being out there and, you know, when cameras and phones come into play, then you kind of get a little distracted. Oh, yeah. It's very easy to do. Uh, to sit on your, like, I try and challenge myself every year to stop spending so much time on my phone when I'm in the stand and more time just. You know who's going to laugh at you? When who? Richard Lee, guy who we hunt with in Kansas. Oh, at. he's always on my case about being on my phone. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not on my phone that much, man. <laughs> just because he, that's for you just, richard just because you forgot your phone in florida yeah doesn't mean you have to be on my back because i'm on my phone the man had done that twice he goes <laughs> i want solitude so much i'm going to forget my phone in florida and travel yeah. all the way to kansas <laughs> yeah yeah but for me it's just the whole just you know i heard remember our our pastor said mm-hmm. a couple months ago just exhale to feel oh, god's yeah. present and, and i'm just that's one big reason why I go is is the solitude of of seeing it. There's many other things, but in one word, I would say solitude is why I go outdoors. Right, right. Uh, so for for what I heard there <clears throat> was really the the appreciation for the complexity of what occurs just on on a on a random sit in a stand. What you can see, and because that. You you've taken the time to educate yourself on let's just say the the cycle of a of a white oak tree. I know it sounds super b- bizarre, but you kind of know the processes, what it does over time, how the leaves change, why they change, why they fall, the acorns that are produced or hopefully produced anyhow, what that does then to feed the wildlife. Everything in its processes is so important. And because you can sit back and really just think about those processes and the, the natural, the way that they do it, mm-hmm. you got that appreciation for what is happening around you. Yeah, you're, you're, you're feeling that solitude in the stand and in nature, but you also have that appreciation for, you know, these next two weeks, it's late October, everything in the white tail world is about to change. And you kind of understand the processes of why and how just, I'm going to say divine it really is. The more you learn, the more you're amazed at like how things happen and why they happen and just the the complexity of it all. The smallest of details. Oh my gosh, yes. That that just, it still amazes me. And it's almost, it almost takes my words if we really want to, uh, well, keep them because we're doing a podcast. Talk about words. like just the the very small details and like, for example, I was with my grandpa, I don't know, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and uh, of course he's ninety three, and we were sitting around, and as probably anybody that's got grandparents knows or, or has experienced that he, him, and grandma, they uh, they put out bird seed, and in the in the winter there's bird seed, in the summer there's hummingbird. And and this is the smallest of details that him and I were talking about. Mm-hmm. Is there was a, a morning dove right there, and it was like we were watching it reach back and, yeah. and basically oil its feathers mm-hmm. so it could be waterproof. Yeah, and it's like like it, it is so complex and so the the smallest details were not left behind. No, and it's just that whole process and. And understanding more and, oh, what's what's that bird doing? And then go back and research and be like, oh, wow, that's what he's doing. It's not doing. just reaching back and, and scratching an itch. Yeah. There's a gland back there between its feathers, right above its tail feathers, that is 
produces a, a waterproofing substance. So when they're reaching back, they're putting it on their beak and then smearing it on their feathers mm-hmm. to waterproof themselves. And we both you took ornithology, right? Mm-mm. Okay, that's the study of birds I, I did in college. Nope. But I'm an ag guy, man. If you've ever looked at feathers so closely, go research on, on a Google or whatever. But there, it's a hook and barb design, and what that is. It's just another feature to keep them waterproof and keep the structure and integrity of those feathers intact. Look it up. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's those smallest details of, oh, that bird's preening itself. It's it's picking the, the bad feathers out to to produce new ones and, and so on and so forth. It's it's seriously and, incredible. And even another bird, and that, that's what Grandpa's like, look at that thing oiling its feathers. Isn't it amazing how God just put that small little detail that's going to – help sustain its life yeah keep that bird alive Mm -hmm. so when i'm in nature i'm just sitting there and of course i'm i'm trying to keep alert um and you know adhd kicks in and and you're sitting there (laughs) so hardcore you're like (laughs) okay there's deer and a squirrel Squirrel, oh it's a squirrel squirrel okay and uh but i'm sitting there and i'm like okay i'm alert looking for deer I'm listening. Of course, you can't hear that well anyway, so I'm more watching because I still have great eyesight. And I'm, I'm watching and I'm, I'm looking and, and it's just like, almost like, like jaw hangs low, kind of like, look at that, like, look at that sunset. Oh my, oh my gosh, look at that mm-hmm. thing. Look how pretty that is. Oh dear, 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 right here. <laughs> like, oh whoa, stop. We, looking we at do sunset. often get surprised when sneaks in on oh. us. And and in the whole process, just sitting there, breathing in the smells, the sights, the sounds, the cold air, the on cold your lungs. air, Oof. the so cold air that it freezes your eyelids shut. Mm. All it's all wonderful in its own in its own right, and that is just to put it in one word though the solitude of it mm-hmm. um, that just brings me out there. It it almost pulls me out there. Oh, it's it's like a magnet. You can't fight the force. It's gonna pull. It's gonna win. You're gonna be. You're going to be each fall and each spring. Honestly, throughout throughout the whole year, fortunately for us, but you're gonna be outside. You're gonna mm-hmm. be. You're gonna be outdoors. And I think it was that same pool that probably. You know, I talked about wanting to see over the next hill. Yeah, that was that same pool that probably pulled people like Lewis and Clark West right, of trying right. to, to see the untouched beauty. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I can't even imagine what that was like to to go west and the only people out there are the natives, and and to just be wow! I, I documenting the the first encounters um, of animals, seeing yeah, animals for the first no time. No one has ever seen. Every morning, I dude, I. I wouldn't have needed coffee. I've been like, all right, dude, what is next today? What am I going to see? What ridge am I going to see? What valley? What awesome part of nature am I going to see? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to keep going, but I I want to pose a question. And I, I know you have. We've talked about it before, and and we both shared it. But you know, have you ever gone to to a deer stand with worry? You're full of stress. You're disconnected. You're discontent with with whether it's the the ways of the world or or work or whatever. You've just gone in with a heavy heart. Yeah, 
every a lot of a lot of times. Unfortunately, a lot of times. A lot of times. Um, so, if you don't mind, we're both gonna get personal and share a story, but mm-hmm. let's let's talk about that, and then and then we're gonna talk about the the process through that and what what changed, what occurred through through sitting there. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll let you go. You know, I I think anybody who's truth truthful has gone to a deer stand stressed or angry or whatever it is they're they're not they're not comfortable with where they're at in their life um and i'll I'll use one that comes to mind just because it happened last fall um so to give you a background um i grew up in town and i had two like brothers and their dad um they were all just they were four houses away and um this guy was the high school baseball coach uh so i was with them but he was also like kind of a second dad like a just a dad four houses away because i spent so much time with them they spent so much time with me so we would go hunting together uh quail hunting because that was kind of his thing but played a lot of baseball and and since he was a high school baseball coach oftentimes um, in Little League, my dad was a head coach, and he would be the assistant coach because he, he had other commitments with the high school team. So very close, and uh, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor two years ago, I think, something like that, um, back in the spring. And, uh, of course, it wasn't looking good. And we rolled into the fall, and it was still kind of hope that that – uh, and of course it was a, a, a rare, uh, disease, a rare tumor. And, uh, boy, this is kind of tough. Um, and so it was kind of one of those, we thought we had a chance and, um, whenever this kind of late November hit, he went back for a second, second, um, checkup and they found out it was back and it was just a horrible time. And I remember going to the stand that morning going, I don't care if we see anything. I just need some time out here. And do you remember that sunset? Wait. You probably don't even remember the day because I didn't talk much. But the sunset was so beautiful. And it was kind of like I was just sitting there exhaling and going, God, talk to me. Talk to me. I need some encouragement. And then here's this absolutely beautiful probably one of the most beautiful sunrises i've ever seen and Mm -hmm. that at that time it was like okay all's gonna be well it's all it's all good and that was probably one of the most peaceful mornings i've had in five years probably right it was just kind of like a very humbling very encouraged very like i got this adam look at what i can do uh-huh and that is why that 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 was probably one of those times where i was so stressed so worried walking to the stand going i don't care if we see anything today i just i just want to get my mind off things of course you or you and, can't and just do that. and just understand have a have a perspective different from the news that was shared oh yeah like the news that was shared was three months yeah and it was like three months like that's 
I don't even know what to say. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like, I got this. Yep. This this is what I can do. Don't you think I can handle this situation? Yep. So, yeah, for above, me, that, and, that and, is... And go beyond, not just handle it, but go above and beyond to wow and impress and take care of, of everyone involved. So, that was... Honestly, that's the first time I think I've shared that story, and that was still brutal. Mm-hmm. That was still pretty tough, but that was... For me, an example of the recharge, the understanding, the the overall just peacefulness that comes with hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, as I gather my composure, <laughs> I'll go. I'll, I'll let you go. <laughs> so mine takes me back to is actually a spring morning. I was in college. Um, the farm that we were that my dad and I were hunting. Um, belonged to two sisters and I had grown up with them. They were, when I say sisters, they were in their seventies and, um, we had helped them kind of take over the farm and run things. They still had some cattle and, and, uh, we just kind of volunteered our time. Of course we, we were able to hunt, but, uh, whether it was just chopping wood, you know, taking care of their house, cutting the grass, anything. We did that throughout my, my childhood. And, um, they were they were certainly a, a blessing to us, and part of our family. I considered them basically my my additional grandmothers, um, just because they were they were so close. So <clears throat> this is back in college, and um, one of them, Mary, she just she wasn't doing well. She was getting she was getting ill. Um, was spending some time in and out of the hospital, and and then she went into nursing home. And this I think it was May seventh um, of that year. I, I was home from college, just finished. It was, it was, I got back like the night before and, and dad and I were like, let's go turkey hunting. Let, let's just go get some time in the woods. And, and dad actually been fooling with this bird for, for, uh, multiple mornings. And we kind of developed a game plan and, and went in after the bird and he set up on one side, I set up on the other. And, uh, just from what dad had shared, we had, we had our strategy. The bird didn't gobble much on the roost. He pitched down. Um, it was just honestly, I, I don't. I called one time to it, scratching the leaves. Scratching the leaves was the key. Here comes the hen. Here comes the gobbler. Shoot the bird right off the roost. It was beautiful, excellent. <clears throat> but as soon as we get back to the house, um, Annie, the other, the uh, the other. Um, I said they were sisters. I, I don't know. Why well, I said they're sisters, sisters-in-law, um, shared with us that Mary that she got a call from the from the nursing home saying that Mary was was not doing well at all. Um, that she needed uh, she needed to get down there, and, and Annie didn't drive, and we we tried to to um, get a ride as quickly as we can and, and get her down there and. And, um, you could just, you could just see and feel the the heaviness that, that Annie was, was experiencing there at that time. Um, unfortunately, Mary didn't make it through the day, but to me, I always, I always look back at at that day. And, and for me, of course that was, that was just a a tough time knowing that, that Mary was sick. But I think for me, hunting prior and having that memory, having that experience, prior to a really rough day help me get through it so mm-hmm. for 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 you 
you had you had an experience you got news and then went to the woods for me it was a little bit different but this is just how powerful i think it is just experiences wise i went to the woods had an incredible morning and that helped me get through the day and process things and and, and every every time i go i've been back there you know i, I always think about and that from that day on may 7th that was mary's bird mary's bird day hmm. it was just one of those things that dad and i shared and even with annie as well you know that was just an ex- experience that um i guess whenever we'd bring game back from from the farm and, and show mary and annie and everything they were so just joyed and and, and whatnot you know you, that we were successful and um they had an appreciation for 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 game and wild animals so I and I think bringing back that bird that morning was just a little bit more, you know, that encouragement, whatever that that Annie needed to get through um, the day and just bond over it. But it it doesn't matter what it is you're going through. But we've all been or gone to the woods with a heavy heart. It could be work stress from work or or from family or or whatever. But the reason we share this is because when we left or or we were we were able to face things in a different light basically you came you came out probably calmer you had a fullness or maybe a, a satisfied feeling um and and you know there's a bunch of different probably things you could point a finger at and say well this is why but for for me I think I think what it is is that nature, creation, the outdoors, nate woods, whatever it is, whether you're in a duck blind, a layout blind, or a tree stand, or a ground blind, you're so just in nature creation that really it, it's a medium for you just to draw closer. When I say draw closer, I mean draw closer to God, and and that's why I think it's so captivating. It's so, it draws you in because you, you don't, not everyone goes to the stand or if you don't have a relationship or you don't, you're not a believer, you still have a pull to go to the woods, whether you experience it or not, or, or go there intentionally with, with that understanding of Lord, guide me, direct me, help me through this. Whether you go there or not, you still come out with a feeling of, Sad, I mean, a fullness, excuse me, satisfying feeling and, and calmness. And and I think everyone, you know, if, if you've got a friend that, that you know, doesn't believe or, or whatever it is. It's a great place to introduce them. Great place. Mm-hmm. And I think, so that's why hunting is, is, such a, is such a bridge for people. Because, you know, whether whatever walk of life you come from, there's still enjoyment that can be that can come from it, whether you harvest an animal or not. To me, it's that closeness, it's that feeling. The woods is my security blanket. Yeah, it absolutely it, is. It's like a place I go to relax, to recharge, and and there's so many. I mean, Kirk Bowes, our friend at Cross Trail Outfitters, yeah, shared with yeah. us that when they take kids, and if you don't know what Cross Trail Outfitters is, go check them out. It's a great organization, oh, yeah. but. Um, they take a lot of kids and, and it's like, he said that their basically method is, okay, kids, here's the outdoors. Here's God. 
God, here's the kids. You guys need to talk. You work. You and, do your and, thing. And I love that, Matt. I, I love that approach is because there's so many T-shirts and slogans that you hear. Like some people sit in church and think about the woods. Some people sit in the woods and think about God. Now, I don't like – I mean, obviously, I want to be – You can I'm find church, Jesus in both of those yeah, places. Yeah, you can find God <laughs> in both of those places. But um, there's something about that revival if you will of of spending time in the in the mm-hmm. outdoors and and trying to think more about where i'm going to put the pen but yeah, think yeah. about the whole process that's going on out there and to me i just just the whole security um that goes on and i love your story it, it is interesting that i went to the woods to get my answer and you mm-hmm. were in the woods to help comfort and i think that's that just shows off the the powerful nature of it mm-hmm. and that you know it, you know you don't have to be going through necessarily a really tough time for it to still impact you when you do go through that tough time mm-hmm. you know like it, it's a for me it was a precursor it allowed me to it, it gave me strength and, and comfort and, and understanding through that the rest of the day and for you it 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 answered it, questions for you mm-hmm. and that's why like those were extreme cases. I go yeah. to stand multiple times a week saying, oh, my gosh, how are we going to get through this? Like, we've got Deadlines. just stress. We've got stuff, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I still come out with that feeling of just fulfilled and, and understanding. And, and that time to me is so valuable because, again, I think you're just immersing yourself in what it is that was created for you to enjoy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 it is a purpose and it's a tool that I think that God uses to get you closer to him. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and there's, there's probably a lot of hunters out there who might not certainly who intentionally don't hunt for those reasons. But I challenge you to think about it this way. Those still, those people who still don't intentionally go out there for those reasons and don't harvest something still enjoy themselves still have that feeling of satisfaction. So whether you're looking for it or not, it's there and it, it like a blanket comes over you and protects you mm-hmm. and provides that understanding. Whether you intentionally go out there for that reason or not, whether you're soul searching or not, you still leave the woods with that. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I, to go in a little, little bit lighter direction. Yeah. I think about those hunts that we never killed anything that I still remember today, <laughs> even though with my gosh, I've been filming hunts and what I say eighth or not. I think this might be my ninth fall of filming hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, eighth or ninth. I can't remember probably eighth, but so eighth season of filming hunts. And that, that just tells you that I've been in the stand a lot. Each, a lot of stand each fall. time. And, I still remember hunts where we didn't kill anything. Mm-hmm. And that is just, of course, I remember all the ones where we were successful. But even the ones where we just went and had a good time. Fellowship, yeah. I remember one time uh, on a public land hunt, we rode our bikes and game carts in four and a half miles. <laughs> four of us. And we Why? left. We left. <laughs> An hour and 45 minutes before daylight. We got all the way back in there. And uh, this was a late season hunt. 
and we got all the way back in there, and <laughs> I don't know what we were thinking, but it was a big, I mean, a 100-acre bottom field, probably, mm-hmm. and we all spread around that field, so one was in the northeast, and it was just like, <laughs> where's our wind going? Like, is it just swirling out in the middle of the one field? One of us or... bounced to have some luck. <laughs> yeah. It, I guess it was kind of that mentality. Is yeah. They're coming out everywhere. Surround them. Somebody's going to have some success. Yeah. And it's like, oh, dang it, I pulled the southeast set. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, the one's <laughs> dead wrong for it. Um, but we all went in there, and, of course, I I saw one deer. Mm-hmm. And several of the other guys saw one deer. And the one deer happened to be in front of our buddy Dustin, and he shot that deer. Yeah. And it was a button buck. <laughs> and yeah. we went all the way in there for a button buck. <laughs> and... He shot that deer at like 2.30 in the afternoon. Right. You know, late season button buck comes on the field. They're, They're the pretty first much ones out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They come out and just boom. So he shot it and uh, it went over and, and uh, died basically right at the edge of the field. And that was at 2.30 and got dark at 5.30. And we sat there and just looked at that white belly. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like... The whole process of... Then we loaded that up on the game cart and started hauling it out and... And, of course, I only saw one button buck. The whole day. The whole day. All that, uh, we didn't all even, that work. We didn't even, like, buck. we teamed up at lunch. It was kind of one of those, like, we sat on the edge of the field, and then we all met up on one side of the field, and we, like, laid, napped, and yeah. ate lunch. And then we went back to the stand. It was just kind of like, wow, what a terrible approach. But, mm-hmm. um no guys. A, no we, guys. This is going to work. You yeah. know, there you had that one buddy. Well, like, I promise. That, it was that public land public ground hunt was like they've already smelled a bajillion hunters like yeah who's brave enough to to come through one the fog more of... what's one more group of guys <laughs> yeah I, i'm sure our scent control games better than everybody else and they may not even smell yeah. us after the four mile bike ride <laughs> yeah and so that was just and then loading up on the game cart and trying to haul it out of there over rocky terrain pulled by yeah. a bike yeah we were so mad that deer was falling the cart was spilling over and ugh. I can't even, I, and we got back, it took us an hour and 45 in empty, um, and then like two hours, two and a half hours to get out of there. Nice. That was terrible. By the time we got out of there, it was so, we were so hungry that we pretty much inhaled a Emo's pizza in, in seconds. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, to me, that was one of those hunts where, of course I wasn't like, it was like, I'm just going to have some fun. Yeah. And. We still talk about that, and that was in 2008, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so almost 10 years ago, and, and it's just like, wow. Like yeah. the, the ability to go to the woods and be encouraged, like in yeah. the stories we talked about earlier, or be recharged or be refreshed, like the story I just shared. Um, there's so much that you can gain by going there. Um, you can gain it just if you want to be encouraged, you can get that. If you want to have fun, you can get that. If you want to be awestruck by the beauty of it, you can have that as mm-hmm. well. There's so many things you can gain by going to the woods, going to the field, whatever it is. And that's why it's a, I think it's our, our duty as hunters to introduce that to people that haven't experienced oh, it yet. Oh, 100%. You know, I think for hunters, we get a bad rap in the coastal 
areas of the United States as being bloodthirsty, bloodlust-driven hunters. Mm -hmm. And that is, for us, is so far from the truth. Um, let's, I mean, as loving the land and having the understanding of how to manage it, that's another big reason why we go is oh, for sure. we plant this food plot because we enjoy it and we want to provide a, an additional supplement for the deer. And I kind of want to go sit over it and look at it mm -hmm. and just look at my work and, and look and see how much the animals love it. Yeah. Just like last year with sticker eight, we mm -hmm. went in there. That was a, I mean, it wasn't a lot of hard work, but we ran saws for two hours. Two, three hours. Chainsaws. I think we went through like, there was like six tanks of, of Each one two. of us used two, yeah. two tanks of gas. And we did all that work. And then you and I went out there and there's the, the next time we went back. <laughs> the next time we went back, there's yeah. sticker eight. And he's like loving it, browsing around, bedded in it. And we were able to harvest him. And it was just like, now we took, we took one deer from our hard earned work but that harder that hard work is going to feed the rest of the deer herd and we went back in this year and saw there's a facebook live video showing all the browse showing all the benefit that deer are still using at this point it's like for every one that we harvest we've helped three others oh yeah easy and and to me that is just the biggest one of the biggest messages we have as conservationists is yeah we may be hunters but we're doing so much for the wildlife that mm-hmm that just taking the one and, and any almost anything as far as production, gardening, whatever it is, is you're putting in a lot more than you're taking out. Oh, for sure. If you're doing it correctly. Yeah. yeah if you're taking everything, then you're probably having problems down the road. <laughs> yeah. But there's the rain. Yeah. Um, finally, uh, Matt and I are kind of sitting here before the podcast Fingers talking crossed. about when's, <laughs> when's it, it going to rain. And now we have our headphones in and we can actually hear it yeah. pounding on the roof. So. It's a good rain, but hope you got your windows up. I do. And uh, that was just the whole concept of giving more than you're taking away. And I think, I think that right there is is how uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to to make the sense in my in my head here. That's exactly what you get out, though. E even even when. You go to the woods on an unsuccessful evening. You get out more than what you put in. Like that's how that's how the outdoors and nature blesses you, I guess, in, in, in a way. Like you are you're receiving benefit from it, um, you know. And, and a lot of it is, is is from the mental side of thing or spiritual side of things. Um, again, we go back to that the the feeling of refreshing, recharging, all that. And, and, and I think again, anybody who's who's a hunter. Um, can relate to that to, to some degree. You've just been out there and, um, it's been a, it's been a enjoyable, useful time spent in the woods. I, I, I just, I, I can't, it's, it's tough for me to get past that because, you know, for me, who, who, who is a believer and, and I think there's definitely that, that spiritual connection there. Um, again, because people who don't believe still get blessed by it. Mm -hmm. They're blessed still by the pulled. Outdoors. They're still pulled in. They're still captivated. And they may not know why they're pulled in. They may think I'm pulled in because there's an animal I want to shoot. Yeah, there's a chance at a hit lister. But that's even a... if that animal doesn't show up, you probably still enjoy your time. Exactly. So that's what brings it all back around to the hashtag. What gets you outdoors? What is it? 
is it is it just the pull? If you're thinking it is just that that hit lister that, that you want to get out there and, and put a tag on, that's great. But I challenge it's you same to think. For us, same is true for us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But there's still more to it. There's more to it. And I challenge you to, to kind of think about that as you're going into season. What is it? That gets you outdoors. That first sit, and, and you know, might hopefully it's successful. But if it's not, did you enjoy it? Was it still good? Was it good for you? I'm probably gonna say yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna say yeah. It was a good thing. So dig deeper. Take some time to soul search on it, and figure out okay, what is it that does get me outdoors? What can I do to better understand it? And think through some of the the processes that are occurring around me. Um, even I, this one's so silly, and you see it all the time. And as a deer hunter, you're like, "Oh, they're so frustrating squirrels who are burying nuts and stashing away nuts." That to me is just kind of cool. It's like, you know what? He's getting ready. He's getting ready for winter. It's just those those processes. Like whether you're there or not, they're still occurring. And it, it, it's a treat to be able to sit back and just enjoy it and observe it. For sure. So for sure. You know, I <laughs> I just laugh whenever we talk about let's just say and we kinda mentioned it like people that may not be spiritual and Yeah. And that but they're still kinda drawn to going out there and I think back to the first archery season I ever had. Just bought a bow. I was in high school, maybe a fresh I think a freshman in high school. And I, you think ADHD is bad now. You should have seen it in freshman year. I, um, We probably wouldn't have been friends. No. Um, <laughs> I uh, I saw one deer out of the stand that year. Mm-hmm. Um, saw one deer out of the stand. This, so this is when you were carrying the five and six arrows, the the, the field tips, the five small Five and six game. arrows. Try an eight arrow quiver, but I carried nine arrows. That's impressive. <laughs> You came because in fully I a, knocked. I had, a, I had knocked. a big old aluminum arrow that was my armadillo arrow. And I had <laughs> two two or three arrows that were squirrel arrows. Yeah. And I had a couple coyote arrow. I had a coyote arrow, and then I had a uh, then I had turkey arrows, and then I had deer arrows. <laughs> and woo! I just think and they of, all shot the exact same. Yeah, not a chance. <laughs> I remember I I actually found a a broadhead. I don't remember where it was. My dad bought some like old tackle or something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember Yard how, how we acquired it, but it was a it was a uh, tackle box that had all kinds of different stuff in it, and it had a broadhead in there, big old fixed blade. I'm like, I've never seen this one before. That looks like it could do some damage on what an armadillo. Could this kill? <laughs> so I put that on the aluminum arrow. I had an armadillo come by the stand, and uh, I pulled back and f- flung that aluminum arrow at him. And I mean that that armadillo was like 30 yards. That arrow only went like twenty. Of course, keep Not in mind close. I was only pulling fifty pounds at the time and weak. And uh, that that's probably what you pull now. But <laughs> um, so I'm like, what in the world? That broadhead must be messed up or something. Yeah. Well, then I did some. I stumbled upon it and I found that that broadhead was a two hundred grain broadhead. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, but that man. that first fall, I saw one deer from the stand. It was a fawn of some sort. Um, and I spent, I mean, I would sit in the stand for two hours, and then I would walk around the last hour. That's how bad it was. It was like, Jeez. I'm not going to see anything. I'm not going to see anything. So I'd just, I'd walk around. Let me ruin the the best time to see something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as unsuccessful as that year was, 
I mean, that was the that was the inaugural season for me. And dang it, if it wasn't one of my most memorable seasons today. Oh, you were hooked. Today. Oh, I was hooked for forever. I mean, look how diehard I am about it now. And that was the most unsuccessful that you could have been, period, yeah. hands so, down. I, I didn't even harvest a deer. Yeah. I saw one deer. Uh, that That's how, just, of course, keep in mind that there wasn't a whole lot of deer around in those days. But there was yeah. still plenty to see. Right. You couldn't I even mean, do that. But, yeah. It, it, one of my most <laughs> memorable seasons the, still. My first season, I... With a bow, anyhow. I shot at a deer. It was a little forky horn. Out in the middle of one of our pasture fields. I was I was walking out from hunting that morning. And it's October. I was walking across the field. It's got some undulation in it. And I walk and kind of get to a little rise. And I look in off to my right. There's a little bottom. And there's a deer staying right there. Like, I I thought it was 40 yards. It was probably more like 30. Anyhow, I was like... Are you kidding me? I had my I had my quiver on. I got an arrow out. I got it knocked. I drew back, and this deer is still like, "What is that?" You know, like the young buck. They're just kind of inquisitive. They'll broadside, then they'll turn, look at you, stomp a time or two, and then try like, "Hey, I'm going to turn around, and go the other way. Here's my other side. Do you want to shoot it this side or the I, left or right? Left or did right?" Did he do the one of my favorites? Is when they act like they're feeding, so they drop their head yeah. and boom, jerk it up all of a sudden, he, and they'll drop the head and jerk it up. He tried. And they do that like three or four times. And it's like, wow, you think you're fooling me? Yeah, exactly. Try me. I've seen I've seen this before. I know your game. Yeah. So I'm I'm at full draw. I'm like forty yards. This is it. This is my moment right here. First year. First season, I'm gonna kill this deer. Nothing to obstruct the arrow. Wide open field. I draw back. Thump. And I say it was forty. I, I aim for forty, but I'm sure he ducked some. I mean, arrow just clean as a clean as a whistle, boom, right over top of the back. But from that moment, I was like, "Yep, I'm a bow hunter, yeah. no doubt." I, I mean, I clean missed the Joker. And was like, "Oh, that was awesome." Yeah. I, I remember. The I first... love unsuccessful hunts. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first deer I ever missed. Um, oh, what a feeling, man! What a rush! Like, a, <laughs> yeah. like what a way. You know, I think that's probably. I think I got more hooked off the miss than the first oh, kill. For sure, the miss was like, oh, I want another timeout. Let's try that again. Yeah. And so I was just starving for another chance. Oh yeah, to make a shot. Yep. And and the first deer I ever shot at was. <laughs> I was walking <laughs> to my brother who had actually shot a uh he'd shot his first deer that morning mm-hmm. with a bow. Um it was a little six pointer and I don't even think no, I we didn't have cell phones at that point. Yeah. So I just You did the old hoop what? No. Just had that Okay, I think it's time. I need to head over there. <laughs> That feeling, yeah, just had that before yeah. cell phones. You didn't, if, you didn't, if, you just if felt you have the siblings. Feeling, right? Sometimes, <laughs> if you have siblings and you're close to them, sometimes you just have that feeling like he needs me. Like I, I think he probably is like, yeah, I think it's time. And so, and I, I'm not lying when I say that. I mean, my brother has been my best friend forever. Yeah. Um, but it, it was just kind of like I was in the stand. I was like, eh, it's nine forty-five. Almost okay. I'll sit till ten. And I sat, and I was almost ten. I was like. I feel like Chad probably needs some help over there. So I climb down. I start walking towards him and pop over this little crest, this little rise. And they didn't know what it was, so they hopped out there at 40 yards. And I'm yeah. like, 
okay. Of course, back in those days, I always walked with a arrow knocked. <laughs> like, what is good that going to do? Yeah. So I draw back, and I'm like, and no rangefinder back in these days. Oh, no. So it's like not. 40 yards. Thump. And I watch that arrow. I can still see it playing as day going right towards that big doe. And I'm like, oh, over back, over back. Nope, dropping, dropping. Bullseye, bullseye, bullseye. Oh. <laughs> and she like, she did the whole, she flinched, and I just grazed the I mean, cut like two hairs off her yeah, belly. Yeah. And it was like, oh, Chad and I almost doubled. It would have been our first bow kills on right. the same day. <laughs> and she trotted out there and was like, whoosh, whoosh, looking around like, what was that? And it came in like a bumblebee. Shooting <laughs> 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 50 pounds, two heavy arrows, <laughs> lobbing in there. And, and it was just like, I, I saw that. And I, so I went and got my arrow on. I'm like, man that was awesome that's so cool and then i walked down there and my brother's dragging this deer down and uh so i'm like i am hooked for life i I, here here's my baseball baseball glove and bat here's my fishing poles i'll keep this oh yeah for sure and uh i i remember my first miss as well and this was this was with a gun it was thanksgiving morning and i was young dude i i think i was like third grade and we used to we used to do some drives and stuff later on in the season, and um, so I was on this this basically gas line, and out from the other side, here bumps out a doe and a fawn, and it, I mean I had twenty gauge it was buckshot it was one of those deals dude, and sixty plus yards away I was like deer I could see it put the gun up, I mean nothing. Just kept bloop, 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 hopping along. I was just like, I missed it, but that was awesome. Come Dude, around again. You know, when try you, again. Like when you have a kid that's three years old and you grab them, you throw them up in the air, and they say again, yeah, again. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. how I like. I, I'll, I'll give you a story, and and I'll give a little bit of background. So, growing up, we didn't have we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of guns. Yeah, and so I was stuck with a twenty gauge slug, and of course I. I absolutely love my childhood. For your shoulder right now. I, I absolutely like. If there was anything I changed about my childhood, like I, I love my parents dearly. I had the time of my life as a kid. But if oh, there's yeah. one thing I could change, I would I would trade in that 20 gauge slug for something else. <laughs> yeah, I hated that gun. It was a Mossberg that kicked already, and then let's shove slugs in. Let's give it to a kid who's 65 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, and. I remember. Good luck. <laughs> I missed so many deer with that gun. Dad would do a little push. Mm-hmm. Here come does. I had a monster doe at that time. I don't know. She may be a hundred pounds, but ran in and she was like thirteen steps from me. And I'm sitting against a You're tree. You're gonna embarrass yourself. And I click the safety off, and I'm like, I got her. I got her. Wham! And I'm like, I once I gather my senses and I look down there. She's not laying there. I'm like, what in the world? Oh well, I hit her. Didn't hit her. Missed her. I mean, Clean. it was like I was shooting blanks. Wow. And I think of that, the, give a little bit of background on our, on the music that I listen to. I listen to a lot of Red Dirt, and Whiskey Myers has mm-hmm. a song. And yeah. uh, Pop uh, gave a 243, Papa gave Daddy, and Daddy gave me, and I always changed it. You've heard me change the mm-hmm. words. I got a 20-gauge slug, kicked the heck out of me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was for me, was that right. stinking gun. Woo! And I missed, I think I missed three deer that one weekend. And my dad walked so many miles, bless his heart, trying to put a deer in front of me, driving deer oh, down little. And you I just it. kept blowing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, so but, one of these days, and I'm going to take Dad hunting, and I'm going to say, hey, Dad, I got this piece of property over here. I want you to come hunting with me. He's going to show up. I'm going to hand him that gun with 20 gauge and say, good luck. I want you to know what it's like. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was carrying the old Dirty 30 at that point. Oh, Still carries 30. that same gun, Winchester 94. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I actually killed my, yeah, I, I actually killed my first uh, first deer with that gun. Dad mm-hmm. was at work. Mom took me and uh, I killed a button buck with it. First, first deer I ever killed, but. That's a whole other podcast. A, we got we got to cover that that story at another time because I hope that this whole I mean we're sharing stories because I think it's it's easy to sometimes just be like ah you're just bloodthirsty or people that aren't hunters just think we're bloodthirsty and and can't understand why we go but I mean we just described some hunts from I was probably twelve years old mm-hmm. and I still can remember it very. The exact details. Yeah, I, I can still see it. I still see. Day. I still know exactly where I was aiming on that on that doe that I missed. Me like, too. Hundred percent. I this that that I take a picture like a snapshot in my mind every time right before that that trigger goes off. Mm-hmm. Every everyone. And that is just a huge to me. Just lets me know that that this is why that, I'm a hunter. Me, this is why I'm an outdoorsman. That's for me. Yeah. I won't. I won't say, but that's home. Uh-huh. I mean, that's like, it's like that's where I what feel I completely. There's no insecurities. There's no. nothing. It's just I, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. here. Yep. And and I hope that this podcast has helped people understand more about why we we are as hunters and challenges them to look deeper into why you are a hunter. Most definitely. why you feel this pull, and even if you're. Even if you're not spiritual, you're not a believer, and you feel this pull, to look into that, yeah, and and see sure. why why do I feel called and pulled to be in the woods? Not just like, and I challenge you if you say it's it's about the kill, but if you're unsuccessful for a week, wh- why do we continue to go back mm-hmm. every chance we you, get? You love the frustration of it, yeah, because you're you're still gaining something from that experience. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not trying to to say you know you need to think like we think, but I just encourage you to dig deeper, mm-hmm. find out you know beyond the kill, beyond the chase of a hit list, or beyond the chase of a, of a long beard in the spring, or a, a limit of ducks. What is it that gets you out there? 